Hello, and welcome to the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast presents Schlock Talk, where we watch hot-ass trash so you don't have to. As always, I'm Joey, and tonight I'm with... I'm Carl. And we're going to delve into a movie um, called Schlock. Um, it was what we chose for this first episode of this spinoff podcast. So a little bit about kind of the premise here is I wanted to do something uh, different that we won't normally talk about on the normal podcast. So, what is schlock? Not Schlock is just B-movies, trashy, um, anything that's not very good. Uh, and I've gotten into these movies over the last few years, uh, thanks to Carl. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a thing. Some of them are bad, and you have so much fun because they are bad. Other ones are bad, and you want your 90 minutes or so back um and we're gonna delve into that and you know tell you which ones to watch and tell you which ones to not and we're, you know, we're doing you a favor so that being said um carl what got you into um these schlocky kind of uh movies i grew up watching mystery science theater 3000 and you know they're just features the worst of the worst movies and um, I just kind of went from there, uh, loving that as a kid, and just that and like sci-fi movies, and it kind of just lends you to to develop a taste for just the absurd and the not so good and the low budget and all that. Yeah, because we've definitely we've definitely went through some over the last few years. A couple years ago, we did a bad movie list, and we watched some stuff. Like Double Down by Neil Breen, we watched The Room, Bird Dimmick, Alone in the Dark, um, just some really bad, bad stuff we did put in that list. Um, we have another friend who usually joins us for those kind of movies, Rosa, and hopefully she's going to come on and uh, talk some movies with us too at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, we watched, we've watched things just not even in that list. We've, we've watched Christmas Twister which gave us one of the best things ever where the opening line or the, the opening title screen was Chris Tam Twisters, um, Shark and Saw, Arkansas, Women's Prison Massacre, all, all sorts of just terrible stuff. And that's kind of what you know, look forward to on here. We're going to watch like B, B movie horror movie, B horror movies, B action movies, maybe some exploitation, just, Stuff that, like I said, typically I haven't seen talked about a lot on different podcasts and that we don't talk about on the normal one. So, with that being said, um, I've mentioned Carl and talked about him before on the podcast, but let's get to know a little bit more of your um, cinematic taste, as it were. So, I guess the first question we'll go with here is, what is your favorite genre? I love all genres of, of movie, but horror is definitely the standout. Because again, that's I just kind of grew up watching a lot of horror movies, and it'll always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, um, and you're a big fan of kaiju movies as well, right? I am. I love kaiju movies. And I, I mean, I think that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of overlap, I think, between kaiju and um, horror, and then also into kaiju horror into like B movie stuff. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of overlap there. A lot of your kaiju movies are basically just schlocky B movies. 
Nia Kaiju Mono comes to mind. Hey, that movie was great. <laughs> oh, just just because you liked Homeboy's abs and his hair. Uh, oh, I, Kota Ibushi. That's the character, the uh, the actor's stage name, Kota Ibushi. You know, I really liked Minoru Suzuki delivering the Gotch style pile driver to a giant guy in a rubber suit. I guess not a giant guy in a rubber suit, but a giant monster who was a guy in a rubber suit. But I mean, look, everybody loves Murder Grandpa, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's actually a Japanese movie because it's a kaiju movie that stars two wrestlers from New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, which we both enjoy watching as well. Which probably explains why we like shitty movies, because we watch shitty wrestling. And good wrestling, but still. Um, Alright, so, favorite genre is horror. Does that mean your favorite movie is a horror movie? Yes, actually, my favorite movie is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Which, yeah. if given the opportunity, I will talk about a lot. <laughs> um, well, in our first attempt at this, um, where we weren't recording... Uh, <laughs> I said it wasn't really a surprise that it was a horror movie. Um, I mean, I know I know almost the answer to all of these, um, as you know, we live together. But um, I think we've watched that four, three or four times. I mean, we watched it right that long after we moved in together, and I had never seen it before. And so I think it was me, you, and our friend Henry um, that watched that. And then you got the sweet 4K, so you've got like two still books of this movie. Yeah. I, I really like this movie, so yeah, I've got two steelbooks, and we watched it a couple of times, and it's yeah. about time for another viewing. I mean, it is that it is that season. Maybe if we get through everything, we can we can slip it in there because we also watched one of your other favorites not that long ago, Suspiria. Um, introduced our friend Jenna to that, and hopefully she's going to join us at some point. Or me, us. Hopefully she'll be on the podcast as well at some point. Um, yeah. So, with a favorite favorite genre horror, your favorite movie is The Shining, a horror movie. Are we going to hit the, the the trifecta? Is your favorite director? Ugh, I can't talk all of a sudden. Excuse me, guys. Favorite director, a horror director. As much as I would love to say that my favorite director is John Carpenter or Dario Argento, and they are two of my favorites, my actual favorite has got to be uh, Akira Kurosawa. Just because I like good movies too, and that man makes some great movies. Oh yes, like you. Just another another thing you introduced me to um, was um, Kurosawa. My one thousandth log on Letterboxd was The Hidden Fortress, and I've pretty much been hooked ever since. I mean, I even just the last Criterion or I guess Barnes and Noble sale, I just blind bought his Eclipse set of uh, his first films. Um, we've delved into one of those, but yeah, you've, as you, I'm sure we're going to keep noticing, have influenced a lot of my taste in things uh, over the last few years. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you've never, you've never seen a movie before we moved in together, so I mean, of course, I, I influence your taste. Well, I mean, as the joke goes, you've never seen a movie at all, so. That's true, I do say that. I mean, I guess, like, the reality of it is if you went on my letterbox and all the things I logged, like, that I remembered watching and was watching at that point, it was, like, before 1980 was, what, like, Star Wars, Disney movies, a handful, you know, Godfather, a handful of other movies. It wasn't very many. And now it's filled with all sorts of stuff, lots of Japanese movies, 
Um, so, you also introduced me to uh, boutique releases, and I both thank you and hate you for that. So, <laughs> yeah, that uh, being a collector is hard, <laughs> hard on the pocketbook. Yes, indeed it is. Um, so we've got favorite genre movie director. So who's an actor and or actress that just if they're in a movie, you gotta see it. You're you're searching out their movies, you know, so forth and so on. Uh, Audrey Hepburn is my all-time favorite. I will watch anything that she was ever in. Uh, just she was great, and I love everything she ever did. Even the movies that I don't personally think make sense, like her Ugly Duckling movies, because that woman could never be ugly. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Tom Hardy. I'll watch anything that he does to completely flip it from Audrey to, to Tom Hardy, I guess. But I love that guy. He, I don't think he's ever done a bad movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, first off, Audrey, you introduced me to her. Uh, so, a recurring theme in this podcast. Um... And I even think she had, um, we do list every year of our first watches and kind of, and, and rank them. And I'm pretty sure it was last year Sabrina was number one. If not, it was the year before. And yeah, you should introduce me to her. She is fantastic. I've gotten several of her movies now myself. And then Tom Hardy. So I guess, uh, I guess you're pretty excited for Venom. Uh, let Carnage reign or let there yeah. be Carnage. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Venom was way better than I expected it to be. It had good humor, you know. Tom Hardy is great as always, and apparently this is more of the same. So I'm looking forward to it. It's more of the same plus Woody Harrelson. Can't you can't go wrong, right? Right. I guess the only thing is if they made it more like Bronson, right? That would be what you're looking for. No, I don't. I've seen enough of Tom Hardy's penis to last a lifetime. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um. So, what was the first movie that you saw that, you know, you realized it could be more than just entertainment or it spoke to you in some way or it's just super memorable? So, I was like 14 or 15 the first time I saw The Shining and that movie really opened my eyes because before that I had mainly watched the stuff that came on sci-fi on Saturday mornings, your, your kaiju movies, your Mystery Science Theater 3000 movies. And I had watched, like, superhero movies. I was a big fan of Batman and Star Wars and all of that type of thing. But then I, like, when I saw The Shining, it really just, there was, I knew then that there was something more to cinema than just entertainment. And that movie really, like, changed my viewpoint and made me start, like, seeking out, like, art movies more. Okay, yeah, I had a kind of similar experience. I was a little bit older. I was 18 or 19. I think I was still 18. I actually had a class at my freshman year of college, my only year of college, and uh, which is where I met Justin. And actually, one of mine and Justin's um, mutual friends, Jake, had this movie. Um, oh wow! And I just literally blanked on the name. Kevin Spacey uh, has the red front door. American Beauty. That's it. And I had actually had to watch it for that class, and my friend Jake let me borrow it. And that was the first, like, my mind was, was blown just with the way it was presented. I'd never seen anything like that, or if I had, I guess I hadn't processed it. So, yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, That's a great movie. Yeah, it was very, very good. Actually, you probably should re revisit that at some point. 
All right, what was the first movie you remember watching in the theater? So I know that the first movie that I saw in theaters was, and this is going to date myself, but it was Bambi. But the first movie that I actually remember seeing in theaters was Batman 1989. Oh, boy. I am I am jealous. Um, so Batman 89 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I had it on VHS. I remember taking it to, like, daycare. My name was written in cursive. That's how I found out what cursive was, because my name was written on it. Um, so I am jealous that you saw that in theaters. <laughs> um... My first movie I remember seeing in theaters a very similar uh, time period is uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, Definitely appropriate for a child. Well, I mean, it is an animated movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look, the 80s were a wild time, man. They were much different. <laughs> much different. So, um, all right. So, with that being said, we've got some... Learn some cool, interesting things about my co-host here. Maybe some things about me that I hadn't talked about on the normal cast. We're going to delve into the feature for tonight. And that name of that movie is Schlock. Um, and I found this movie completely by accident while trying to, like, brainstorm ideas for this podcast. And, you know, look up Schlock and, like, the Urban Dictionary, that kind of stuff. I came across this movie... Looked into it a little bit, thought it was the the perfect, most fitting movie to be the first one on here. So, I mean, of course, how could there be a more perfect movie for Schlock Talk than a movie called Schlock? Right? Like, oh my god. So this movie is directed by a gentleman named John Landis. So, not only, well, first, not only does he direct it, he funded it a $60,000 worth of his savings. And I don't know what $60... 60000 was in 1971, but it was a lot of money. Um, so he produced it, he financed it, directed in it, wrote it, starred in it, did everything. So that's how you know it's a good movie. When well, you do always it. a sign of a great movie when it's written, directed, and starring the same person. <laughs> but John Landis went on to direct some other films. And you may have heard of some of these films, um, especially if you're closer to mine and Carl's age. Um, let's see, he directed things such as Animal House, uh, American Werewolf in London, The Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000, Trading Places, Coming to America, Beverly, Hill Cop, Beverly Hills Cop 3, he directed Michael Jackson's Thriller video, and Michael Jackson's Black or White music video. So he has done, he's done some stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So like I said, it was filmed in 71. It wasn't released in America on uh, in theater till 73. And oddly enough, how it got released was he was trying to shop it around and somehow Johnny Carson got a hold of it. Um, and for all of you youngins, Johnny Carson, so if you know who like Kimmel, like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon are, so before them was Leno and Letterman and before them was Johnny Carson. Like he's even before my time. Um, so he got him on the Tonight Show. I think they showed a couple clips. It got picked up, um, released in um, March of 1973. I could not find how much money it made. It did $60,000 budget. It is on Anchor Bay DVD in 2001 and then was released on Aerofilms Blu-ray 
um, back in October of 2018. And that is how we watched it was actually on the Arrow channel. So if you have the Arrow streaming service, you can watch this movie pretty easily. So that being said, let's delve into this movie. Yes, let's. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we literally finished watching this 30, 40 minutes ago, maybe. Um, boy, that, that was a movie. So we're going to start off, and the premise of this movie, or rather, the movie starts off and it's on a playground. There's a merry-go-round spinning with a kid on top of it and a kid underneath it. And then it starts panning. And all of a sudden you just see more kids and more bodies just everywhere. It, just very nonchalant, just kind of panning and there's all these bodies. And then you have this like half-bald sheriff, or I guess, I'm sorry, Sergeant Detective Wino. Sergeant Detective Wino. What a great name, by the way. Right? Yeah, no, there's... They they did a lot of stuff, uh, a couple big nods. I guess I forgot to mention that in the credits, at the opening, it was like... You've had... And it, you know, it's like you've had these movies, and it lists a bunch of, like, very popular and very famous movies, like Gone with the Wind and, most notably, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is important later... Um, and he's like, and now you have schlock. Um, but we, we get to Detective Sergeant Wino. He's in, um, like a brown trench coat. He's half, his front half of his head is bald, and then, like, the back half of his head is, like, an afro. Um, it's very, very interesting. Or I won't say front half, but, you know, like Hulk Hogan's hair, kind of, you know, where it's, Balled down the center. It's curly in the back. Yeah, curly in the back and standing up like an afro. Um, Only so get away with in the seventies. Yeah, for sure. I don't think anybody would be trying that nowadays. Um, at least not without mass ridicule. Is this also? Is this is also where we get the the first time we see the the TV reporter right at this point or shortly yeah. thereafter? So yeah. The Hutzman. Yeah, so the TV reporter's like hamming it up. He's like, there's been 250 deaths since uh, since this murder spree started. We can't figure out why. All we just know is it's the banana killer. Because at every scene, there's just banana peels everywhere. And they have, they put some, like, corpses. They, they say that they the number is unsure. Some of the corpses are like, too dismembered, and they put him in a grocery bag, I'm sorry, a trash bag, rather, and if someone can guess the total number of bodies in these bags, they'll win a free Kentucky chicken dinner and all the fixings. Yeah, they're having, like, a contest, which is, I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, it's so silly, and they pan back to it, and they've got the name of the TV station and the address, like, on a card in front of it, and one of the hands is, like, Sticking out of the bag, like, feeling around, almost looking like it's walking. It's almost like kicking the bag. Like, it's very silly. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Um, like, the whole time. I think the movie itself um, was pretty well made for what it was trying to do. Because um, you didn't really have any special effects. Because Schlock, who ends up, is, is the monster, is in a, a, 
costume the whole time, which adds to it. Like, it just looked like he broke away from Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, it's just John Landis in a gorilla suit. Yeah, the whole time. Um, so you get these kids, they're outside, They, they one of them just falls into a hole, and then they he convinces them to come down into the cave, and they start exploring the cave, and one of them just runs into Schlock, and he just beats the shit out of him for no reason. Just beats the hell out of him. And then the other guy walks up, and he's like, excuse me, and he just backhands him, like... So he's just, you know, he's this gorilla, and he's got super strength, like crazy super strength. Uh, like one, like gorilla probably does. Yes, well, I think more, more so than a normal gorilla, since you know he is, ends up being the lost link, um, and he was, uh, it wasn't Schlocktopus, it was. Schlock- no, I think it was Schlocktopus. Was it Schlocktopus? Yeah, he's Schlocktopus. He's the missing link between the dinosaurs. Godzilla, normal simians, and then humans. Oh, uh, yeah. The the professor is very silly as well, much like the police, the the sergeant Wino, and the TV reporter. So they show back up to do another. Oh my God! Or the they're reporting outside of the hole because the two girls escaped the hole and went to the police, and so now the um. Now the body count's like in the 700s. It was just in the 200s, now it's in the 700s. And they also go to announce the winner of the Kentucky dinner, which is, ends up being this blind girl's mom, who's relevant in a bit. And the gorilla just walks up, or Schlock just walks up in the middle of the thing, and the guy's like, oh my god, you're the monster. And goes to shake his hand and he rips his arm off, which is extra funny because the whole time he kept not shaking people's hands. And yeah, like, I, thought, I thought that was a great, I thought that was like one of the funniest parts of the movie, how the, the reporter always offered to shake people's hands but never actually shook anyone's hands until he ran into schlock. Yeah, and just, just ripped his arm off, which you could clearly tell was a prosthetic, but um, was hilarious nonetheless. Uh, nonetheless. Uh, I think another one of the funniest parts happened here is you have the professor and he went on the whole tirade about dinosaurs and Godzilla and breathing fire and all of this and he's going to go down in the hole and he puts a helmet on and it's an air duct. It's literally an air duct. And the reporter's like, hey, why are you putting this on? And he's like, oh, well, this helmet is made by such and such from UCLA. And he's like, okay, well, why are you wearing it? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And just goes down in the hole wearing an air duct as a as a helmet. So now now Schlock is on the loose. He's out of his hole. He's I'm trying to think of what where he ends up next because I know is this where uh, it, is this where it cuts and we see um homegirl leaving surgery? Yeah, I think this is where we we meet the blind girl Mindy. And we see her leaving surgery, and then they go back to the house, their house, and she's in the backyard, and Schlock comes up, and she thinks it's a dog. Yeah, she's getting to play fetch, and she's trying, he, Schlock is trying to make her hold the stick, and she keeps throwing it. Um, then they come inside, and they finally take the bandages off, 
of her eyes, which the whole time she was home, her mom was just letting her roam. She walked into a fence, walked into all sorts of stuff. Like, no, there's no bandages on her eyes. She hasn't been blind for three years. But they, it was like five pounds of gauze they pulled off of her eyes. Um, waist high on a on the doctor. Yeah, and every like he cut one thing off with the with the gauze scissors and just kind of chucked them, which they kind of did. They would finish something and just throw it. It's just how they did throughout the movie. Um, but you know now she can see as she goes looking for Willie's what she named Schlock when she thought he was a dog, and then he's at the river feeding some ducks with a kid, and then I guess he hears being called, and he busts through the through the fence and scares them and so Mindy and her boyfriend run back into the house and ends up containing him in a room with a flare like they use a flare to like scare him because of course the mythic link is going to be afraid of fire right like I I guess that's true yeah so then the cops show up and Detective Sergeant Wino um has made a gorilla mask because he's like oh he's probably lonely he wants a mate we'll try to subdue him and he tells the, the rest of the cops, hey, don't show up. Anything that comes out that door, shoot it. So he opens the door, sticks his head in, sticks his head back out. And they just unload on him. And, you know, his trench coat gets all messed up, but he's perfectly fine despite being shot with several shotguns and several revolvers. They're so inaccurate that they make stormtroopers look like sharpshooters. Dude, right? But remember, storm... Stormtroopers were accurate in, like, the beginning of the first movie, but that's neither here nor there. Um, um, yeah, no, they, but they hit him because he's got holes all in his trench coat, but he, whatever, the actual schlock ends up coming out and takes some dude's shotgun and, like, throws it, and he just, he runs away. It is very silly. Um, Don't forget that tossed the dude before he ran away oh yeah yeah he tossed he taught and he tossed him over the house yeah yeah he just gorilla press landing over the house was this before or after he he pressed the little kid and like throwing like into another person's pool i think this was after he threw the kid in the pool yeah it's all just silly absurdness anytime the cops are talking on the radio um there it, it's 10 4 6 8 2 5 18 just silly numbers, or like, oh, I can't do this. I've got a, I've got a seven on Wednesday, um, and the cops are always swerving. They're never driving in straight lines. They're just, it's just absurd. It's a very uh, silly movie. Yes, and it knows it's silly. Like it's one of these movies. Like it knew what it was doing, the whole time. Um, yeah. So after this part, we're gonna go to. Schlock was gallivanting around town. Yeah, he did gallivant around town, and that's where he um. He went to see a movie. Yeah, he he well, he stole all the bananas. Yeah, he stole the bananas. Yeah, in the two thousand one scene. Yeah, so there's the scene for two thousand one. So if you want to delve into that, since you've seen two thousand one and I have not, gasp. So there's a so there's a scene, and he's he's like he finds some bones outside of a store. With a with a banana sign on the outside of it, and he starts like hitting the bones against one another, like the discovery of tools in two thousand one. And meanwhile, they're playing uh, the the theme from two thousand one, and just the whole scene. And then eventually, after a, a minute of this, he throws 
in slow motion, he throws the bone at the store. And again, just a clear homage to the scene from 2001. And then breaks the window, goes and steals a bunch of bananas. And then he eats them and goes to a movie. And so, yeah, and the movie was See You Next Wednesday, which had been referenced a couple times. Always differently, too. Like, they referenced the movie, like, three or four times throughout the movie, and it was always a different type. First, it was, like, a romance movie, and then it was, like, an, an action movie, like, an action musical or something. And then, like, when he went to see it in the theater, it was, like, a kaiju movie. Yeah, double featured with the blob, or, like, mixed with the blob. Yeah. Yeah, because it definitely had, like, a T-Rex fighting a, a Godzilla-like creature. and But, yeah, he just goes in the movie and sits down, acts like a normal person. Um, some lady sits down with a hat, and he takes her hat, um, takes the little kid to the bathroom, and now the movie poster is King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, yeah, just, just insanely silly. Insanely silly. So... So now we're, we're definitely near the end of the movie. Yeah, there's just like the school dance, which they had been talking, all the kids had been talking about the whole movie. Yeah, and, and the blind girl's mom is like trying to set kids up with each other. Like, oh, she's so popular. It's like, well, then why isn't she dancing with anybody? Right. And they, um, they're very, they're very, they feel very secure because they have four security, four police officers outside. Detective Sergeant Wino was so kind to offer them four um, police officers. Who, Which is definitely enough to protect them from Schlock. Yes, and then Schlock is now just killing them. So he goes from being like this kind, I'm going to feed the ducks and take this kid to pee, to murder. Um, so they end up calling the National Guard. And I guess um, Mr. Landis's opinion of the National Guard is that they're just, the, they're just silly. Because um, they file out like a clown car. I mean, I, I say that is there's like you can see four people in this old sedan and like 12 people get out of it. So it just yeah, reminded me of a clown car. Definitely a clown car scene. And then they all start opening fire on Schlock and blind stormtroopers have more accuracy. He's not very far away and they have shotguns. I don't understand. Well, they eventually kill him, but yeah, it took him a lot of shots. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't even the bullets. It was the beauty who killed the beast. Yeah, according to the one cop. <laughs> yes, to the one cop. And then we pan back to the hole that we left so long ago, and the um, the professor comes back out holding a baby schlock. And it's like, see you soon in Son of Schlock, and that's that is the end of this movie. Um, that's where the son of Schlock came from, as he was, you know, clearly the only one of his of his race. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, they got to keep the franchise going, right? Like this was going to be big money. Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just, just. A, a, I mean, I think the ending fit with the rest of the movie. None of it made any fucking sense. Like, absolutely. So, um. I know you don't normally give out star ratings on Letterboxd. Uh, Justin and I usually give a star rating. I actually haven't did my Letterboxd review um, as we're recording this, but I'd probably say somewhere maybe between two to three. I haven't really decided yet. Um, 
probably a little bit closer to like two and a half. Um, it's definitely yeah. not great, but I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I feel like we will watch way worse movies as this uh, spinoff continues. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. If I, I don't give star ratings generally, but I'd say probably like a two and a half is fair for the movie. wasn't a good movie by any stretch, but it had some funny, some very funny scenes to it. And it just, I mean, it had problems, but it's his first movie and every director's first movie has problems. So. Yes, yes. Even, even like great acclaimed first movies like Res Dogs or, you know, something like that. They, they're not perfect. They have their, their flaws. Um, especially when you finance it yourself, um, yeah. because there are, there are corners that have to be cut um, just to make things fit. So, but that being said, um, that was Schlock on this premiere episode of Schlock Talk um, with me, Joey, and of course my roommate Carl. Um, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. Alrighty. So if you enjoyed this, um, please. Give a, a like, um, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. Go to the Average Joe's Movies Clubcast Facebook page and leave comments or email us at the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast.com, which is also on that Facebook page. Um, or you can find me on Letterboxd, which I imagine that you, um, if you're listening to this, you probably already are, but if you're not, that is letterboxd.com slash joey underscore p. That's where you will find me. Um, Anywhere we can find you online, or are you trying to stay a little bit more anonymous, Mr. Meyer? And I can be found on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash nightflyer. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it for my online presence. I feel you. So, that being said, thank you everybody for giving us a listen. Let us ramble about some trashy movies. Um, I'm going to try to get these out. Um, it's probably not going to be every week. But I'm going to try to get them out with pretty, um, some more regularity, especially only doing one movie. I've got some of them lined up, and uh, hopefully I'll hear from you guys soon. Thank you so much, and have a good night. Bye. Uh-